Hey everybody, welcome back to The Producers. This week's episode is uh, Josh, the first of the Josh series we have going on. I'm uh, just going to go ahead and get into the plugs. Uh, Trash Bang YouTube is uh, one you should definitely, definitely, definitely bookmark, subscribe, check out, because a lot of great stuff is going to be coming from them. Check out their shows when they have them. Uh, they just had a couple recently that were, were amazing. And they're going to be having that come out soon. Also, come see shows, Coalition, you know, the plugs for that, RBA Comedy, Producers Cast, uh, Orbital Music Park. Uh, subscribe to anything that you can subscribe to to help my friends. Um, but that's it. We're going to jump right into it. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy this episode. Cup bag of smoke today. Cup another bag of smoke today. Cup another bag of smoke today. I got thoughts, can't control, got me down. Got me low, rest my mind, rest my soul. When I blow, when I blow, am I wrong? Let me know. Feel so right to let things go. Don't think twice. This is me. This is how I should be. But I'm aggravated without it. My Saturdays are without it. My Saturdays are the loudest. I'm blowing strong. Some new graduated to powder. I dabble later, I doubt it. My database of narcotics is growing long. But I'm aggravated without it. My Saturdays are without it. My Saturdays are the loudest. I'm blowing strong. Some new graduated to powder. I dabble later, I doubt it. My dad gave you ice and you didn't want it? Even though I told him it was clean can be on. <laughs> well, that, that kind of sets it up. It, it, it makes people feel like they're, they're here with us. Yeah. That's one one of the things that people like tell me they like the most. Does that have to be too close? I know. This is, this is good right here. I just, really, I have a Yeti. You're like really worried about my quality right now? I know. I just, you know me, I like microphones a lot. Uh-huh. And I know that I'm not, like I'd rather it be. Sure. I mean, do your thing. Where so. do you want it for your, this is your podcast. Oh, I mean, I'm cool with it. I always like to have it not in the way but like it's totally fine it's just like let's just as far as audio goes maybe a little maybe a little higher yeah i am a big old boy i need to i need to i'm I'm still working on the the studio what no no you're fine you're fine huh no he's gonna put him in the room put put him in the room can i put him in the room you're in Uh, can he hang out with you guys yeah do i need a laptop no this is just are you sure (laughs) <laughs> Do you want one? Uh, only if you want me to be playing Hearthstone for the entire interview. That would be yeah, that'd be interesting. Really bad. It'd Wouldn't be... be the first time. I might check in on some games myself. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play Fortnite with Matthew while we do this. Can you? Does it cross platform phones to? The only cross platform you can't do is PS4 to Xbox. Sony's a bitch. Oh, and Switch now. Okay. I think cross platforms kind of cheating PC to the console. Really. Well, because this this we're live, so you know. this is happening. You shouldn't have told me. Well, um, I think it's kind of cheating because I'm so bad at console and so good at PC. You know what I mean? Yes. And I don't currently have like a PC PC. I just only have a Mac right now, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of old, so it's not been very good at running games lately. Oh yeah. Um, so I uh, <laughs> I've been playing on my PS4, and I'm. Trashed here, yeah. <laughs> at video games on console, I, uh, I I tried to play PC. I just there's too many buttons. I I, I just like, trying to like one hand like forty different things. Interesting. That's my, what I like about it. But I also have very big hands. Well, I mean, my hands are small, but like I just with the building mechanics in like Fortnite, like it's really hard to like 
I want to shoot, switch guns, and build. I need to build fast. And with control, like, I'm so used to it. I'm gonna, I can yeah. just do it. I can do that way faster, and I feel like that would take way too long to learn. There's a new meme out of South Korea about uh, students in computer labs. All it is is students in computer labs playing StarCraft and alt-tabbing like, oh, aggressively yeah. when their teachers might glance at their monitor. I saw that one. That was a funny one. There's, like, a bunch of them out there. I haven't seen just, like, one of them. Yeah. Um, all right, so you're Josh. Blue ba, blue ba, like the color and the sound a goat makes. Ooh, mine is always uh, whenever people ask me how to say my name, I'm like it's Mustoey. Like, oh, that's how you say it, not Al. It doesn't hurt you. Oh, the blue. You like it? <laughs> oh, I would go uh, Jonathan Mustoey. Like, we gotta goey. <laughs> I'll use that. I'll, I'll use that and see how people if people react to that or, one. Well, it's no, it's oh yeah, it's Jonathan Mustoey. Like Trump must goey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get political right up top. Yeah, I feel like um, you are one of the one of the people who is really aggressive about my last name. Hmm. Interesting. One I think the, it's probably just stand up culture. Is yeah. all that is where it's like everyone gets called by their last names, and if you have a good one, it's like Mustoey. Yeah. <laughs> I um I don't know that much about stand up culture. Oh. I, the, the last like pure stand up I had like. So Jesse does stand up. The last pair stand up had was Mary Jane French. Yeah, she was on the show, and it was like that was that was really interesting. It was the worst thing about it was at the after the show, I stopped recording, and she like helped me punch up some jokes I had been working on. Yeah, and I didn't write enough down, so I don't remember what they were to make them better. Okay, interesting. Yeah, but I, you, are you? Would you consider yourself a stand up? I do. I don't think the other stand ups in town do. For you? Um, yeah, yeah, well, well I just don't do enough open mics. Okay, yeah, well, well, but, like, I'm headlining Champion on Wednesday, which is probably in the past, depending on when this is released. Uh, you'll be not this Wednesday, next Wednesday. Yeah, so last week I headlined Champion. It went great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Everyone loved it. But, uh, like, I don't have the time to hit open mics with, like, work schedule, sketch show stuff, improv mm-hmm. stuff. There's a lot. Uh like, even hitting one open mic a week for me is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, like, what I liked about Vagabond when I was running that is that forced me to do stand-up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard being a triple threat with four jobs. Um, I get you. I, um, I've always wanted to do stand-up, but I just feel like the preparation for me is what it is. It's hard enough to have time to do it, but then like to write and prepare. Oh, for me that's difficult. Maybe you should try the other writing method. There's Ooh. two kinds of writing styles for stand-ups. Ooh. There's um, people who write down everything they're going to say, every syllable and letter mm-hmm. accounted for, uh, and then there's people like myself or Patrick Busey who like will think about an idea for a week, but like we can't write it down. We have to like work it out on stage. Yeah, writing from stage. Yeah. I, um, what I would do when I was like, there was a point where I was trying and that was like one of the things I was trying to do. It eventually fell off. Like, yeah, I would write down like a premise and then I would do it in my head over and over again. And then I would write it down. Not to like, this is exactly what I'm going to say, but like, let's write it out. Let's flesh it out more. Let's see how it looks. So that way I can like reaccess this. I don't want to like lose this. Uh, I think I'm just like such a verbal person, but like, I can't do it that way. I also think that I'm not, like, what I was writing and what I, the effort I put into it, it just wasn't funny. And I feel like that's, like, a huge thing. Like, it's not funny right off the bat. Like, you're like, oh, why do I even do this? Stand-up is all about throwing away your set, like, every week for the first year. 
Um, really? That's like my suggestion to new stand-ups is to be like, throw away your jokes constantly because you're going to write better ones if you do. Because um, well, you, you have to write more. Yeah. You see people falling into a trap of like uh, writing their first funny joke and then they do it to death. <laughs> at like every open mic they ever go to. No, 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 no. My Applebee's 2 for 20 joke is lit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That joke I wrote about Airbud. Oh, boy. Should I have been telling that for as long as I did? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a real joke that you have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, the joke everyone now makes about Airbud, but I was doing it before everyone was making it. Oh, okay. Yeah. The hipster Airbud joke. No, it was. It, it seriously it was just like that. It's like the Airbud joke anyone would write is the problem. Uh, but, like, I also wasn't that great of a stand up at the time. How long have you been doing stand up? Um, since I was 20, so eight years. Okay. Ooh. Just added your age. Well, I'm 28. Uh, I started doing improv when I was 14. Ooh. So there will be a day this year that I've been doing comedy more than half my life. More than you haven't. Yes. That's interesting. I, yeah, my, um, my anniversary is coming up for sure. Tomorrow is the one year anniversary of the show. Like, I, the first episode came out June 25th of last year. Oh, okay. I think it was June. It might have been July. I'm pretty sure it was June. I'm not going to check now, but it's either that or I'm pretty sure it's a year. But, yeah. And then my first improv class was sometime in this month last year. Mm-hmm. First, yeah, so I've, I've only been doing comedy for a year. Yeah. I've been, like, watching comedy for longer, but... Yeah. I It's weird. I wasn't funny until, like, eighth grade. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, like, I was... A very annoying kid. And, like, I'm still a very annoying person, and I recognize that. Sure. Uh, thank you. My, I'm not here to, um, to disprove your theory. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, like, I didn't really have friends or anything until I was funny. And the way I became funny is I discovered Comedy Central that summer. Ooh. And I literally watched stand-up, like, eight hours the, a day. Comedy Central Presents. For an entire summer. Yeah. Comedy Central Presents. Uh-huh. Reruns of Who's Line. Yep. Uh, just like whatever, kids in the hall. Oh. I want to ask you about a specific comic. One of my favorite uh, comic central presents. Yeah, DC Benny. I don't know him. Oh, okay. He had like one of the best presents, and then he, I don't think he ever did anything else as funny as that. Okay, that's fair. It, it's really fun to go watch comics now when they first got on their presents. But like people, it's, it's I think it's even cooler to see people who you've never seen. Yeah, do the presents and never do anything else. That is. Cool, but also sad. I, well, for me, like, like DC Benny, like seeing that set, like when, when uh, you'll you'll find it and watch it, and you'll be like, I get what he's saying. Yeah, I, I always, uh, I always. Dream. I mean, there's also like early Dimitri Martin, which yeah. is like brilliant, and then like his next special is just like, oh no, he lost the magic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the seeing, seeing the magic strike on this platform because I watched. Yeah, around that around the same age, I watched. I remember the same time period. I watched all the presents, mm-hmm. like all the time, and then I watched as many specials as I could. Yeah, I always wanted to like. I was mad when they changed the back the backdrop to like whatever you wanted to like just your name. What I thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. But then they changed it to the name. Like you can't you can't make your own set anymore. Oh fuck that! Yeah, like I'm the and like like Doug Benson like interacted with his on one of his presents. Yeah, yeah. Of I course, Galifianakis's presents where he had the fucking choir of his supposed ex girlfriends <laughs> yeah. was really good. Oh, yeah, I love the uh, I love pres- I love presents and I hadn't thought about it yeah. until you, you brought it up. It was so good, and it was also like at the time everyone's goal was to get a presents. Now mm-hmm. I guess it's Netflix. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I want to get my special out there. Yeah. Well, like, there's so many local comics, like, recording a half an hour and putting it on Spotify right now, and I don't think it's really doing anything for any of them. Because, huh. uh, like, the comedy market on Spotify isn't like the music market on Spotify, where it's like, oh, you like Doug Benson? Check out uh, Josh Bluebaugh. Like, it's not the same thing. It's your chair headshot? <laughs> yeah, it's just like one of my weird fucking headshots. Uh, thank you, Kevin Patrick Robbins. Um, <laughs> there was a time where I went to North Carolina Comedy Arts Festival every year. Uh, don't do it, kids. Um, but That's shit. What? He said throwing, don't shade. Throwing shade this early in the show. Uh, it's okay to throw shade at Zach Ward because he was ousted as artistic director of two different theaters over some Me Too stuff. So, Oof. I feel perfectly confident saying that anything Zach Ward touched is a money grab and I don't like him. <laughs> Ooh, boy. You did, the, you, did the, you did the place. You did the thing. Uh, yeah, but uh, this great uh, improviser from Toronto named Kevin Patrick Robbins is also a professional photographer, and he uh, would take headshots of every improviser at the festival for free. He would just set up in like, the basement of Dirty South Improv and take everyone's headshot for like the entire Saturday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I remember hearing something about that with... Uh where you know the headshots that everyone has with the white background? Yeah, that's Kevin. Uh, was that that, that that where you got y'all got your headshots from? Yes. Okay, yeah, I remember hearing about that story, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to be a part of that. Yeah, y'all's headshots are so good. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, if I ever got like rich enough to like need professional headshots, if that makes sense, I would. Like, I'm rich, probably, and now I need a headshot. Or, like, yeah, like, like if you want to be like, rich? Where's your headshot? No, like if I need professional photography done from like a fame perspective. Hmm. Uh, not that that'll ever happen. Um, I would probably want Kevin to do it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, um, I would definitely want that as well for you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. What did that come out of that picked up? All right. So, um, you've been doing comedy. You were watching, you said you watched the presents when you were a kid and that was kind yeah. of what turned it around for you. Changed your way of thinking, I'm assuming? It just, uh, it's how I developed my sense of humor. Like, it didn't, like, change my way of thinking. I was just, like, learning how to be funny that whole summer. Okay. Um, and definitely I didn't, like, come out with, like, a, like, 2003 stand-up sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> but I was just, like, learning, like, timing and more about comedy that way. And, sure. uh... I've never really been, like, the comedy nerds comedian, you know what I mean? Where it's, Mm -hmm. like, I don't really care about, like, where Tina Fey grew up. Like, I'm not going to read her book. (laughs) I get get you. I mean, I I think on that way, like, like, for example, Judah came by, like, he was really funny. And, like, I've heard he's, like, a good dude. But, like, yeah, I don't know his story or anything like that. I'm all like, oh, my gosh. I'm just like, you were great. Thank you for coming out. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Sort of, yeah. Like, I don't, like, I, lo- I learn people's names and stuff uh, when I can, but at the, at the end of the day, like, I'm not, I couldn't tell you Amy Poehler's filmography. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I feel like a lot of improv students are, like, big comedy nerds. Yeah. Uh, and, like, they know more about just, like, the data of comedy than mm-hmm. I do. Uh, as, like, you know. <laughs> These are every team that, yeah, Amy Poehler was on when she was doing improv. And I think it, at the end of the day, comes down to, like, my um, desperate need to not be influenced by outside comedians. Because hmm. uh, I'm so afraid of, like, uh, like, cryptonesia, like, accidentally stealing a joke or, like. 
Um, it's like people being like, well, you know, this is really similar to that guy you won't shut up about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that, like, uh, the po- one podcast I do listen to, I did listen to, was the Pete Holmes one. Yeah. And he talks about, like, loving, like, Brian Regan's one of those people who you can just, like, you watch it and you just do the Brian Regan voice. Mm-hmm. And you just do, like, jokes yeah. like him. Like, yeah, I can't watch him without, like, yeah. in- him influencing me at all. I noticed in stand-up classes, right when John Mulaney was blowing up, people were, like, trying to take his delivery, you know, especially like that. And I said, no, like a liar. Uh, People would try to like use that style of delivery a lot. Like that specific jokes delivery, like all the time in stand-up class. I'm like, you're not being Jonathan Mistoe right now. You're being an impression of John Mulaney. Find a way to tell the joke yourself. Yeah. I think that's another thing too, is like finding, finding a groove is kind of what comedians will do when they find a way to like present things like like you said like the cadence and all that like brian regan has a great cadence like that i don't know i feel like there's a lot of pressure to like be good at that and and when you when you can't find your own you, you default to somebody else like yeah. that, that was what this show was originally it was a complete ripoff until now it's kind of taken its own thing good yeah i think um finding your own voice is the most difficult thing you can do in comedy especially because your voice will probably end up being similar to someone else's whether you realize it or not um you know, is Trash Bang the first sketch group to use giant cardboard puppets? No. <laughs> um, are we the first ones to use them in the way we're currently using them? I hope so. I don't know. Maybe. But, like, yes. at the end of the day, I think most comedy ideas are being done somewhere else, and you just have to find, like, a good way to approach your ideas that make them feel fresh and good. That, that's something that I've, I've thought about a lot with, like, inspiration. Like, like, but like writing music. Like, that's something I've been trying to do and like, I, would, I noticed that songs I would play or, like, the chords I would pick would be similar to an artist that I like. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if, as long as you're not, like, I'm going to play that song or you're just, like, being inspired and having things yeah. similar, that's what you're saying, like, that's fine as long as you're not, like, I mean, taking this exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, the day I fear most is when someone, like, sees a bunch of sketches I wrote, and then they go, oh, you're a lot like the Thrilling Adventure Hour. And then I'll just sit there with egg on my face, like, Someone has identified one of my influences. <laughs> I must leave. <laughs> I thought that. Oh man, that would be that'd be interesting if someone's like, "Yeah, that sounds like blank," and you're just like, "How did you know that? That's what I was like into." Yeah, I mean, like my influences are like really eclectic, and I don't really have any stand-up influences. Like yeah. I've, it's like my approach for stand-up is always so fucking weird because I'm coming at it from like a lifelong improviser's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I've always been really into sketch and like stand-up's cool, but like I've never really looked up to any stand-ups. Um, so like the people I've looked up to are like, uh, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker and Brad Neely and the kids in the hall and like all of these like Things really niche know. surrealist, absurdist, mm-hmm. like web based, <laughs> Uh, comedians. And I, I think that, like, the fact that I'm like that means there's other people like me out there like that, where it's like their comedic influences aren't mainstream comedic influences. Sure. They're like weird, yeah. niche, early internet comedic influences. Uh, and those are the people I like to find. No, no, I get you. I, um, yeah, man, I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't think of any. Well, maybe like DC Benny's one for me, like that set. Yeah, something I have like no idea who that is. I want to know now. Yeah, it was it was a really. I thought. I mean, it, I haven't watched it in years, but like that um, certain music influences. I'm like, oh yeah, this is my one of my favorite artists, and people are like, no idea who that is. Yeah, I, I thought. I feel like that just exposes you to something. I guess that isn't 
not everyone else is exposed to. And when you're influenced by something that no one else is influenced by, then you produce better, different things. Yeah. Right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I think that, um, like, the hipster approach to media oh, there you go. helps with creativity because you're not thinking the same way as everyone else who's consuming everything everyone's consuming. Yeah, if everyone's only influenced by uh, John Mulaney, you're only going to get John Mulaney-related things. Yeah. But if you add another node, you're going to get different... Yeah. Little notes. Not that I uh, don't watch John Mulaney's stuff. Yeah. And I'm, like, very excited that the most popular stand-up right now is a storytelling comic because I'm also <laughs> one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I, I think that there is a danger in having, like, the pop culture blinders on and, like, watching... Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what sitcom is everyone into right now? Let's get into it. Yes. 100%. (laughs) So, how long ago did you start doing stand-up specifically? Uh, I guess eight, well, probably seven and a half years ago. Seven and a half years ago. Have you, do you have, do you have a special? No. You just, like, write jokes and do them? Uh, do you mean, do I have, like, a special I could do? Well, I guess my, my question is, and I feel like this is a question, this is a dumb question. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to front load that okay. stupid question. It feels like the question is, do I know what jokes would be in my special? No, because I feel like if you had to, the answer is you could make something. If you had to put something together now, mm-hmm. you could do that. Yeah. It might not be exactly what you would want as a package, I believe, but, like, yeah. I feel like you have enough material where you could fill an hour. Yeah. My um, my only issue, well, I guess now with Netflix, it's not an issue. My, my question is, like, like, and this is the dumb question, like, what's your goal here? I mean... Ugh, that's the worst question. Okay, but let, let, let me let me make it better and, and frame it in a way that I feel like it isn't the worst question. It's okay. the worst question until I justify it. So, like, for me, when I started doing improv and, like, wanting to do things, like, have you, have you listened to this? I don't want to repeat myself too much. The show? Just repeat yourself and cut it out. No, I, I can't. I can't cut it out. I can only cut out things that uh, are bad. Like, people are like, cut that out, please. Um... Can you I, cut out, please, <laughs> you repeating yourself? Sure. Except now this exchange is probably the funniest thing that's happened on this episode. So. It's not a comedy podcast, Josh. Um, <laughs> Everything no, so, I do is a comedy something, Mastoey. Yeah, for sure. It will, this will be. I was funny. talking about this today with my uh, boss at the escape room I work at. Mm-hmm. I was just like... Yeah, everything I come in contact with, I want to find a way to subvert it and make it funny. Uh, which is why, for the last two weeks of me working at this escape room, I've been like, what is a funny escape room like? Ooh. Which I won't talk about my ideas, because I need to keep them secret for keep now. Them secret. But, so, so I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is, like, so yeah, when I started doing comedy, this podcast, etc., mm-hmm. I got out of a relationship, it was... Um, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, but it was like a, it made me realize, oh, I don't, I just graduated college, oh, I don't have my identity... What do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do? And I stumbled upon classes, and now it's like, for I guess for me, being new to it, wanting to be on stage, wanting to learn and be good at this, and like do, like, again, like watching a big boss's set is just like that's the goal. Is I get to the point where that's what Mm -hmm. I'm producing, feeling comfortable enough to think like that. Yeah. But I mean, is it is it to you? Something that you want to, like, actually make a career out of? Or is it just something that you really just want to have fun with? Uh, yeah, I, um, the goal is to hopefully by the time I'm 30, so, uh, <laughs> like, be making my money writing comedy. Whether that be, like, in a writer's room or doing stand-up or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
that's what I want to be doing. Okay. And that's like what I'm working towards. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that, that makes, that makes the question a little shitty. It's like, um, yeah, cause I do, I do this for fun. I know for a fact I couldn't make money doing comedy. I feel like you are definitely a person who could. I feel come. like I felt like that for a long time. And I still, even now, feel like maybe I'm not good enough. And that's a problem, right? Sure. Because we always have imposter syndrome. I especially Ooh. had it right when I came back from New York, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, I spent a lot of time, like, with a lot of people who are very good at comedy. And I was just like, I am no one <laughs> to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came back here. Um, and I was like really full of myself. And so a lot of people spent a lot of time trying to make me not full of myself, which just gave me like even worse uh-huh. imposter syndrome where like now, uh, like even though I have like this really cool sketch show that I love doing, um, it is incredible by the way. Thank you. Um, I like, I still feel, and like, I got like a lot of really cool compliments at the festival, which was nice. Um, but I just still feel like I'm not good enough, and I need to, like, work through that hmm. at the moment. Like, I can't just move to L.A., you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm just like, oh, I can't. Oh, why would I? Like, even when I won Richmond's Best Stand-Up, like, the entirety of the community, like, every time I saw anyone had to make a joke about how I didn't deserve it. Uh, and now I feel like I didn't. <laughs> I feel... I, okay, well, I guess... I, I, w- I want to counter that because it's bullshit. Like, because Jesse had that same thing. People don't think he's a stand-up, but like, I if you do improv stand-ups, don't think you're a stand-up. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Yeah. They think of you as an improv guy. That's bullshit. Um, you never get booked on anything. But like, so you you are. I talk about I talk about this with like people who aren't who I'm going to talk about. You are part of this group of people who's like. And if there's a high, there's no hierarchy to the theater. No one's pushing a hierarchy. But when you're new, you are part of a group of people who everyone looks up to and sees as like the best, like untouchable. Like I wouldn't talk to like any anyone who like, I'm friends with now, like David, Katie, Matt, you, Jim, like Ryan, everyone who's really nice and would love to talk to anyone who wants to talk there. But you're just so intimidated by them. You are definitely one of the people who's like super intimidating because you are so funny and you are like. You just you, you have this like comfortableness and like that's so that's so intimidating in, in, in another person in a new environment a new community. Interesting. That that I know other people feel that way for sure. I I've heard that I have uh, what David Pajor had when I met him because uh, when I got when I graduated high school I joined comedy sports. David Pajor was over there mm. uh, and David's just like kind of a quiet guy. Yeah. But like when you meet him you don't understand that he's a quiet guy. You just think he's like doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, and like I kind of I was told a couple years ago that I'm giving off a similar energy to that like Mm -hmm. someone described me the way I would have described David Uh, when I was 18 yeah Um, and I was just like huh yeah how do I change that Uh, not that like what David does doesn't work for him I love David to death uh, and I'm glad we're friends now um, but like back in the day when I was like an 18 year old improviser, I was like terrified of that guy. <laughs> yeah. I also, I also want to say that it's not anything, any one of those people I named or other people is doing. No one's like putting out that vibe. Yeah. It's just like, like I remember like before I did my one-on-one showcase, I got to do Pizer plus one. Yeah. And it felt like I had gone on with a celebrity. Wow. Like it's just my friend David. Yeah. But like. At that time, it was, like, monumental. Like, I was, like, freaking out for, like... I still talk about it. Like, that's how, like, great it was for me. Wow. But, like... Yeah, and then, like, I remember... When I started the podcast, the first 
in my mind, real big get was Ryan, who's just the nicest person, and and anyone there would do the show. Yeah. But like, I was like, this, oh, he's gonna do the show! Like, oh my gosh! Like, he was on stage on Friday night at eight o'clock. Did you tell Ryan he was a big get? Because that's adorable. I don't know. I, I just want to like look at Ryan's face when he hears you say that he's a big get. Just to, like, I see. You. It was <laughs> so it was. It was. I think it was after one of the KGB shows. Yeah. I, it was. He was episode number seven. So I was like a month and a half into my one on one class. Okay. And it was just like, I remember he was like moving a chair or something. I was like, Hey, hey, do you want to do this podcast? We don't know each other very well. Yeah. It was so. It was. That was anyone at the time because I didn't know anybody. The first five episodes were my one-on-one teammates. Yeah. Um, but I, I used to be in this really sweet spot where I was, like, very approachable. Uh-huh. Like, right when the theater first opened and, like, right before the theater first opened, uh, where I was, like, on main stage, um, which I don't know if anyone's ever explained the history of the <laughs> opening of the theater, but uh, before we opened, we had two teams, main stage and karate practice. I was on main stage, which I, like, didn't think I'd get on when I auditioned. Uh, um, I mean, that's... I mean, I didn't think I'd get on Detective. I didn't think I'd make Well, so, like, the thing about this audition process, it was, like, you're either on main stage with, like, Katie and David and Matt, or you're going to be on the new house team karate practice. Okay, so main stage was, like, a team of, like... Yeah, it was, like, it was big bosses, effectively. So I was just like, yeah... They, uh, they're probably going to take my best friend Steve for main stage. I'm going to be on the house team. I'm going to be honored to be there. And when they told me I was on main stage, I was just like, uh, are you sure? Are you sure, Josh, are you sure about that? I was just like, yeah. Um, so like for a while there, I like got to be the approachable member of main stage, but I think I've just been around so long that you are now no longer the approachable member. Yeah. Even though like who I am as a person hasn't necessarily changed where I'm still just like, Hey dudes, what's going on? You're just a normal person. And if someone came up to you and was like, I want to say hi to you, you'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder about that too. Cause like, I remember hearing, I don't want to name names. I feel like that'd be weird, but somebody who's like a student, said something about someone who's like a house team now who's like, oh man, you're like a huge influence to me. And I'm just like, are we that next stage? Like, I don't Eventually, know. yeah. Yeah, but like, I, it, it, it feels, I've been doing this for a year. No one should be inspired. Unless you want to hear like Gantz quotes word for word, like I'm not going to be able to give you anything. Like I, yeah. I'm learning, I'm having these feelings. So I love that you felt that and still to a degree feel that. I try to be approachable, yeah. Well, you are approachable. I mean, every, every it's not, again, it has nothing to do with, like, you or anyone else doing anything. It's just, like, because of you do what you do and you have, are as good as what you, as good as, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the intimidating thing. Yeah. It's like, um, I created all the, like, can't talk to this person. Well, I'm also, like, a bit of a prick, which is unfortunate. Uh, like, I'm... yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. You 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 gave yourself a little bit, and I accepted that. Uh, cool. Um, well, I just like uh, I get frustrated really easily, mm-hmm. uh, and that gets magnified when it comes to comedy. I think sure. uh, because um, it's also like part of the reason I don't really teach anymore uh, improv wise is because it's hard for me to like convey the reason why I do things when I improvise. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like hard for me to watch people not do the things uh-huh. that I would do. You know what I mean? 
Right? I'm just like, can't you see the equations in the ether? Okay, let me, to, to go off of that point, last night, the set, this is going to make sense to nobody. I'll try to, like, go over it. The the part I want to talk about, uh, it was Zane and Matt were on stage, and they were about to be shrunk and go inside your body. Yeah. To, like, do something, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, inner space, got it. Sure. And then the end of the set was you were a customer buying funnel cake, they fed you a pizza, and mm-hmm. then you threw up, and then they jumped out as if that later on. Yeah. What, how how long did you... Did you guys know that was going to happen? I knew it was going to happen the scene after we did the scene where they shrunk down and got my body. It was like, oh, I have to barf them out. Um, See, as far all, as... Right there, I didn't think that far. I was like, are we going to come back to this? I have no idea. As, yeah. as, a, as somebody watching, I was just like... And then you started to get sick and I didn't realize it then. And until like the fourth, like I was just like, oh, this is this is going to happen. Yeah. But, like, it took me that long to get there. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. It's like, why can't you see that this is going to happen later? This is the math right here. You knew as soon as they went inside, you're like, oh, this is coming back to, like, be the button. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, well, that's, like, macro set math, which is uh, something I'm not even the best at. Uh, but what I'm talking about is just, like, even, like, scenic mm-hmm. stuff where it's just like, okay, cool. But, like, what are the emotional stakes? Uh, like, you're not giving enough details. Um, like, I'm not giving up details, you're saying? No. Uh, like, when I'm watching scenes, oh, this is okay, what okay. I'm thinking. is like, where are the emotional stakes? You're not giving enough details. Um, the reality isn't firm enough. Like, these are the things that Oh, I'm, sh- I'm definitely like, that I never even think of. Yeah. Emotional stakes? That's literally... So, it's really weird uh, you don't have to explain watching it students. Um, it's really weird watching students because, for me, uh, like... <laughs> The revelation that, like, everything had to be emotionally motivated came really early in Mm -hmm. my improv career. And I think it was just that I was, like, in classes at the Magnet and in film school at the same time. And it was just, like, everything was just, like, what do you feel? What do you feel? What do you feel? Uh, (laughs) And, like, it clicked for me very early, like, in 101. Uh, And that might – that personal journey might be why I get frustrated watching student shows is because I was, like, I understood it so quickly. Why can't you get this? Why aren't you here? Uh, And, like, my perspective is – not great uh, in that department. But and that's, that's what makes me a bit of a prick, unfortunately. But that's natural. That's like, I'm, that's why certain people can teach because they, they do, they do realize that, that that part for them clicked early where it's like, I need to teach you because you don't know this. But for me and you, because I'm on in the same boat, it's just like, why don't you get this? Like, well, I can't, like I should be able to just say what you, what you said to me in your mind. And I'm not like saying like this should, how it should be, but like you get, you told me what it was be emotionally invested, have stakes or whatever. Yeah. I should be able to get that. But I know for a fact next time I'm on stage, it's, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Not well, because I don't want to, but just because like, I can't think like that. I'm not, it's not in my repertoire yet. Yeah. I think it, it's also the sort of thing where like you have to hear it so many times that you eventually think it. And also I think maybe it might be something you have to do. And cause I'm still trying to focus on like picking a character and like going on with the thing, like trying mm-hmm. to like come up yeah. with a scene to start. I don't, I know. don't pick characters. And I don't go on with a thing. You don't. You just go on blank. Yeah. And figure it out when you get. Uh, there. I make eye contact with my scene partner, and that informs everything I'm about to do. Oh man, I need to do more. I need to do more so I can practice more. Because I feel like the only time I get to do it is like the occasional practice where we do one set. Yeah. Like I just want to do like scenes. I wish I lived with like an improviser and I had the space to just like do that. You do that. You have oh. both of those things. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. Um, Preloading is good, and I'm not against it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a helpful tool, uh, especially in like a Herald where you need to preload the idea, mm-hmm. or like any premise-based format, like an Armando or something like that. 
However, uh, I, once again, am a weird improviser. Uh, my improv background is completely different from everyone else in the theater. Uh, so, like, take everything I say with a grain of salt because it doesn't necessarily match up with your training. But I go on stage blank, make eye contact with my scene partner, uh, try and, like, in that moment, I'm like, they feel this way about me. Why do they feel that way? Because I'm this character and I feel this way and I did this. So they'll come out with their, like, why didn't you do this? And you're going to be like, who am I that didn't do something? Yeah. Uh, so my initial response to that would just be, sorry. Yeah. Like, it's a very <laughs> Josh Bluebaugh move to just be like, gross apologizing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably one of my crutches, which I'm sure. glad I'm currently identifying it in real time. Uh, <laughs> On the record. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 like, that's funny, and people like that. And it's, I guess it may be difficult to, like, not just go with the funny thing. But that's, a, that's like, a good move. Like yeah. Any, if well, I were to also, they're that, setting me up to be the absurd in the scene when they yes. do that. Yes, yeah. Um, when it's like, why didn't you blank? It's like, because I'm the absurd. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that gives you, like, a lot of, like... So they, you give the sorry, and they give you another line to either help narrow it down. Yeah, to you and want. then I get to play uh, my favorite type of character, which is I'm bad at everything because I'm so dumb. Uh, <laughs> and then you would go on and do more dumb things. Yeah, during that scene. Yeah, uh, like the, for example, I'm so bad at this because I'm so dumb. Character from last night uh, was in the group game when everyone was like making fast food, and I was like. I'm not sure I should be grilling this chicken, uh, this, on this crispy laptop. chicken on the flap top. Um, I didn't really understand. But well, it's a fried chicken patty. It's a crispy fried chicken patty, oh, but it's frozen, and I'm just flipping it on a grill. And I was like, "This is. I mean, this is dumb. Like, it's not the strongest move in this group game, but I'm making it, a move. It was like different enough to where it like helped get the reset. Like, it was like, yeah, he didn't like focus on whatever because they were like interacting about like the funnel cake thing. Yeah, and you were like, I'm just here doing my dumb thing. Yeah, it was a nice, it was a nice palate cleanser. It's very the, focused on my dumb thing. Um, I think the thing is, the, the thing that we just, like, discussed, and I talked about this a little bit last episode with Joe, when the like, couple out-of-town acts, like, watching certain people just own the stage. Did you watch the uh, past our prime time players? They no. went on early Friday, I believe. They are from San Francisco. They were, like, okay. McFall's friends. Is that from Second Best? Yeah, Second Best. Uh, I played with a couple of them in the All-Star show, but... Yes. They were, um, gosh, they were, they just owned the stage. They were like they looked so comfortable. I've never seen. I've seen. I've, Big Boss might be the only like team who has owned the stage like they did, and it was just like just feeling comfortable and like watch because I've seen plenty of sets where it's just like you just feel awkward and like people don't really know everything that they're doing. And I've been a part of many of those, and yeah. so like I think it's I think it's about feeling comfortable and knowing how things are going to go. That is really impressive and like the the thing that does make you like a comedian in any level. And that makes you guys, uh, like I said earlier, so hard to approach because it's just like, I can't do that. Okay. Does that make, does that make sense? Did I, did I explain that well enough? I think you did. Uh, I just don't have like a great response. There's no response. It's just that. That's that's what it is. And I feel like that's the thing that comes with time. You've been doing this for 14 years. I'm not a cat person, but anytime one of them gets close to me on purpose, I get very excited. He's very friendly. Hello. If you pet him, he will. Yes, touch the mic directly with your body. <laughs> You have to keep this in. Please do not edit this out. This is good radio. Hey, buddy. Um, Boy's here. <laughs> Silence is okay. That looks, like, painful for him. You, Why does he enjoy? He's just getting scratches. I know he likes. 
Is okay, maybe we should edit this part out. No, no, no. This is all staying in. Okay. I think we get the, uh, like, it's like little guns smacking. There's so much hair on your laptop now. What are you doing? <laughs> this is how I live my life. Oof. Uh, yeah, cat people are weird. Are so interesting to me because they're. <laughs> he bumped me with his head. He He's so you. cute. Um, yeah. I'm not great at being on podcasts because so much of me is like physical communication. No, it worked out. I think that. Hmm. You want more water? Mm mm. I, um. Keep, keep going. No. Give him a minute of that. No. That's how. That's the first sound on that first. Josh Bluebot ASMR, and then I just chew ice cubes. <laughs> that's the first thing I think on the the little like episode zero is ASMR. Yeah, it's people love to make fun of it. Yeah, I think we we were doing it. It is uh, one of the it things to make fun of right now. <laughs> so. What is something that you wanted to talk about being on the show? Oh, I had no idea. Just anything. It's, I, I, my new thing is, like, it's your hour. What do you want to do with it? Like, what do you like to talk about? Like, when people listen to this episode, what do you want them to hear? Fuck. Um, hmm. I don't know. Have you, are, you a, are you a Virginia native? No. Uh, I was born in Michigan, moved to Rhode Island, then to Texas, then to here. Oh, and how long have you been here? Uh, since sixth grade, with the exception of when I lived in New York. Did you go to New York for comedy? I went to New York for film school, and Ooh. then it turned out I was just there for comedy. <laughs> how, how was that? Is it, is it as like hyped as everyone thinks? Like, I'm going to move to New York. Um, I loved it a lot, uh, although that may just be rose-tinted glasses, because I also remember uh, recently I was like thinking about when I lived in New York, and I was like, oh, there was like a large period of time where I didn't think I was human while I lived there. Um <laughs> Like, just, like, the way people treat you. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I just, like, for a while there, I was just like, do I even exist? Um, you know, but I'm also, like, prone to, like, incredibly dark and idiotic thoughts. Uh, and that makes sense, though. I mean, that, uh, when I think about New York, that's something I definitely would think of. Yeah. Because um, it's just, like, you're constantly surrounded by people who don't see you. Okay. Like, all the time. There's so many people there. Yeah, and yeah. none of them even look at you. Uh, and it makes you... It can make you feel... Like you don't exist. Especially if you don't know anybody there. Yeah. I mean, I knew plenty of people, but like, okay. it was just like, oh, I only exist at comedy theaters. <laughs> you know? How long did you live there for? Uh, it, almost two years. That sounds awesome. That, that's always been something I've always wanted to do, but I think it's more of like a, I think this would be cool. And I think this yeah. is what I want. Yeah. I mean, I wish I never left. Sure. Um, that being said, I wouldn't be a member of the coalition if I never left. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'd definitely be, like, in a much different spot. Ooh, interesting. What's one of your favorite coalition memories? Most of RBA Tonight is a really great coalition memory, uh, with the exception of the election night special, which is uh, the specter that haunts all of us. I remember I wrote a sketch that night. That was, like, the first video of the night. It was, like, the first, like, sketch of the night. Like, it was a monologue bit where uh, we recorded... I wrote this bit where, like, we recorded Katie 
as Donald Trump, like, calling the election in his own favor before any of the electoral votes came in. Because uh, it just, like, felt like a Trump move and, like, he might do it anyway. And I was like, he called it. Um, and I remember, uh, like, it was funny in rehearsals. It was funny when we recorded it. And then on the night, it was just like, oh, no. <laughs> Like it was it, like the whole audience just like felt like palpably scared. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine that. Oof. Yeah. yeah. I I regret that one a lot. My best coalition memory. <laughs> I regret that one a lot. That I is, uh, I cool. Army tonight sounds fun though. I it was that. a lot of fun, and I miss it. <clears throat> uh, I also know that if I was still doing RBA tonight, I wouldn't be doing Trash Bang. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, like a Phoenix from the Ashes, I'm doing a project I get very excited about, which is nice. Who, who wrote the uh, Cash for Eggs sketch? Me. That was Joe's favorite, Joe Freeman, and that was one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. We love that one. I wrote that one for RBA tonight um, in like our first year. Really? Um, and then I was like, if we're doing the festival, I want to write one of my favorite sketches. I, I want to like do one of my favorite sketches ever. Uh, which is cash for eggs because like I just want people to see it. Yeah, um, we, I'm, I'm so happy you did. Like, I like that sketch so much. I can do both the parts from memory. <laughs> like I just, it's like that's like like the one sketch that I know is in like my portfolio. You know what yeah. I mean? Where it's just like, yeah, I wrote this. I'm capable of doing it again. Maybe <laughs> um, <laughs> I won't ask you to do it, but yeah. I, I do love that one. I, what? Um, Having a team like that, like a sketch team, because mm-hmm. like when I did, so a lot of people when I did, um, when I like pitched the idea for the live podcast, mm-hmm. were like, "Oh, it's kind of like RBA tonight." Yeah, and they were it like, was. "Oh, you're trying to do RBA tonight?" No, zero <laughs> no. percent, not yeah. even close. I um, feel bad about that one because I was like, "I'll be a writer," and then I was just like, "Oh, you have meetings? Never mind." <laughs> that was what I was going to ask you. How do you guys like do that? Because it was like. I, I I had never I had never organized I had never directed anything I had never yeah. organized anything and for me like trying to figure it out was like really difficult and now we're like maybe doing another one yeah for me it's uh, so I'll, I'll pick one thing I want to give a lot of time to oh yes um, so if someone already has that thing uh, they probably won't want to pick a second meeting uh, in a week you know what I mean like a second weekly meeting no thank you. You want me to go to two meetings in a month? Fuck yourself. Uh, wait, wait, are you talking about with live? Like with, yeah, like with introducing like a second thing for someone to be doing. Uh, like when you pitched me on being a writer, I was like, oh, I'll just send them scripts and it'll be fine. And then you were like, there's a meeting. And I was like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like nothing on you. It's just like uh, I'll agree to anything that sounds low commitment. And then the sure. moment it becomes like medium to <laughs> medium commitment, I'm just like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think now I know, know how to do it. Because it started out with, like, I was going to do I was gonna do sponsors. I was going to do play, do that obvious podcast thing. I was like, thank you to our sponsors. And it was like, funny, funny sponsors. Yeah, RVA Tonight stuff. Well, I, again, I had never seen RVA Tonight. I <laughs> yeah, got I that from Pete Holmes. It's just fun. It's not like we did anything, like, groundbreaking with RVA Tonight. We just did a live sketch show. A live late night show. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> we didn't end up doing it because just didn't fit but like yeah I, I yeah i just wanted to help figuring out how to like make the show better yeah and i mean it was it was a good show you didn't see it well no um, <laughs> i'm sorry no uh, we recorded it no i you know i just i have 
such little time. But you, you, I, I, I'll go on the record again as saying no one has to listen to my shows or watch my shows. But like, I think that's true of anything. Like, we all are putting on, are doing things, and it's like we want as many people to be there and enjoy it. But like, if you yeah. can't, like, it's not gonna be like, why were you at the show? Do I do I hear about like one of my weirdest things? Yes. Uh, so trash bagging gets mostly like close to sold out shows. Uh, do you know how many tickets we sold at our last show? No. Twelve. Twelve. You know why? Why? Because we're very popular with the community, and everyone's very excited about us, but, like, no one outside of the community really hears about us that much. Um, Which, like, it's a weird feeling, right, to be like, oh, everyone loves us that, like, knows who we are. (laughs) But, like, how do we, like, penetrate the coalition bubble uh, and permeate the minds of, like, muggles? Like, I have no idea. I've I've been wondering about how that works with reaching people who aren't theater people to get them to come to understand yeah. improv. Because I have obviously like a really positive opinion on improv, but like I'm pretty sure not everyone does. Like the oh, like, yeah. muggles are just like, that yeah. shit's weird. Well, for a long time, Civilians. our biggest challenge was like, you know, the one improv show this person had seen was a bad improv show. How do we get them to come try a good one? Right. Um, and, like, even I was at a party last night, and this girl was just like, you do improv? That's embarrassing. And I was like, I explained it. I was like, well, you know, uh, we're not like other improv groups in the fact that, like, we know what we're doing. Um, and, like, my pitch for her was, like, you should come watch us do improv because we're a group of improvisers who hate watching bad improv. <laughs> um, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which, like, is that an okay pitch? I think so. I just thought about it, and it's like, <laughs> my first thought was, I want to get to a point where I know exactly what bad improv is, and I know how to not do it. Because <laughs> I accidentally do bad improv a lot. Yeah, I mean, I accidentally do bad improv. Not uh, a lot, though. That was the word missing <laughs> from that sentence. Last week's show, I was, like, dead inside. I was just like emotionally drained and I went on, I kept going on stage just like blank and someone would say something to me and be like, ha, <laughs> cool, <laughs> yes, comma, and. Uh, <laughs> like I can't it was just you said the worst. that's embarrassing to you. Uh, people are, um, you'd be surprised how mean people can be when they don't think you're cute. Uh, Are you calling me cute? Yes. I am calling you cute, Jonathan <laughs> Mastoni. Um, I think uh, that, like, just, like, people, I don't know, like, I, my last name is Bluebaugh. I use it as a barometer to see if I'm going to like someone or not, because if they call me Blue Balls when they first hear my last name, like, they don't care about anyone. Like, they're just like, yeah, this shitty joke's more important than your opinion of me. Wow. <laughs> um, People do that? Yeah, all the fucking time. Jesus. I love when a new comic enters the scene, and, like, they'll come up, and they'll be like, hey, I'm Josh Blueball, and they say the Blue Balls thing, and then every comic will just go, <sighs> in unison, and then they just, like kind of freeze like the new comic will be like oh no what have I done <laughs> uh, it's really fun I will say I never thought to do that I don't know if that is a good or bad thing it's a good thing okay um yeah I'm I uh anytime someone says they're like I'm like uh surprised by like the depths of shittiness people go to it's just like no, like I've seen how shitty people can be. 
and that I know they can get shittier. Like, people are rude to me on the street sometimes. Like, it's absurd how, like, much people are conditioned to just be like, fat guy, gotta say something mean. (laughs) (laughs) Just the way you pitched that was funny. Yeah. Huh. I guess I just don't think that way, which is good. Yeah, it is good. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, there's also something I've been wanting to pitch to you for a while. Okay. You played semi-pro football. Correct. I played semi-pro football. Yeah. Who'd you play for? The Beaufort Broncos. I played for the Virginia Tritons. <laughs> Tritons, go! Yeah. Um, I want to do... I think I, I think I have talked to you about this. Similar to the, the Oregon Hill Gang or crew or whatever. Oh, crew? Yeah. Hill, oh, Hill crew? Yeah. I want to do like a semi-pro team where you can only be on the team if you've done semi-pro. We played some football. There's just two of us. I know. I want to find somebody else. We need three, I think. Honestly, I don't hate it. If we do a show where it's, like, semi-pros only. Yeah, yeah. And, like, we find some guy who, like, maybe we can find somebody who, like, played semi-pro bowling or some shit. Anything semi-pro. Uh, someone who went, like, semi-pro in Magic the Gathering. Like, any, whatever it is. Any level. you have to any, wear your jersey. I don't have my jersey. And you have to for Slasher. Yeah. I have jerseys. I, like a, okay. I don't want to wear a jersey on to do improv, though. Uh, why not? Comedy Sports does it three times a week. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Like, I think their show is great and it's accessible for children, and I don't knock what they do. I've never seen a comedy sports show. That's fair. I think I don't understand how it could work. Then you should go see one. I should go see one. I think that um, a lot of people uh, who like don't have any experience with comedy sports hear like, kids safe, and they hear... About, like, the brown bag foul, where, like, if you say something bad, they put a paper bag over your head. Like, if, it's, if you're just, like, shit balls, they'll be like, tweet, tweet, brown bag foul, and put a brown bag over your you head, and you swear. have to wear it for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's a kid-safe show. So if you do something not kid-safe, they're going to call you out on it and be like, oh, you've been bad. Um, Interesting. So... Uh, I think people hear about that stuff and they think it's, like, this hokey thing, which, like, yeah, it is, like, campy and, like, there's a formula to the show, but, like, there's at the end of the day, it's making improv accessible to, yeah. like, a suburban audience. Sure. You know? I've heard a lot of kids doing that. You can't bring, like, 12-year-olds to the coalition. Uh, like, when people call it, like, can we bring kids? It's like, well... It's probably like it's allowed. At its, at its best, it's PG thirteen rated, and at its worst, it's NC seventeen. Uh, <laughs> at its worst, NC seventeen. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm not saying we go all the way to NC seventeen. Like often. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. But like you know, once in a blue moon, it'll just be like shove that poop in my dick or like whatever. <laughs> it'll be like. Jesus. Yeah, sure, this is motivated by the show, but why are we doing it? It's yeah, like a yeah. question you start asking. I remember hearing um, that. And you're not going to get that at comedy sports. Yeah, I, was, I remember hearing that technically it's allowed to for a performer at this coalition to be naked on stage. That is technically allowed because we are a nonprofit, yes. Yes. Do, it, do we want it? Kind of. No. What? <laughs> why do we want that? I, I remember, I'm not saying, like, we need a show, but, like, if it were to happen... Like, <sighs> do you know about the improv team Death by Ruru? No, they were at one point the like top improv team at UCB New York, um, and then two of their dudes became writers for SNL, and like they broke up. Uh, but at the Dell Close Marathon one year, they did this sketch, which is a very bad off color sketch, but it was like a to catch a predator sketch. 
uh, and like they just did like this fucking like heightening of like worse and worse pedophiles coming in and getting caught. Oh Jesus! Uh, Christ. And the last one was called Piss Nose the Mind Clown. <laughs> Uh, and he was Anthony Adaminiak, who, like, played Donald Trump in the Trump-Bernie debates yeah. that went around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was piss-nosed the mime clown, and he was this clown with a yellow nose and white face makeup. Uh, I'm not going to say his catchphrase, because it sounds gross coming out of my mouth, but the only way they could heighten after that was the next pedophile that came through the door... Uh, was just, like, this bizarre, like, circus of gross dudes. And, like, one of them was a dude with his dick tucked between his legs walking sideways. (laughs) And I don't want to open the door for that at the coalition. Yeah. But also, like, I just... If there were to be nudity on the stage, I think it it would have to be really good. Very tasteful nudes. Very tasteful nudes. Very tasty nudes. Trim it up, you... The thing is, we're having this conversation, and I'm like, we can't do it, and then I'm going to be the guy. You are? No. You should do it. But I, maybe, but no, I won't be the guy. I would love to, but I don't want to be that vulnerable. I just want to have the title, like, he did, it was awesome. So, like, the Firehouse Theater in town is, like, known for, like, there's always a weird moment of nudity in all of their shows, where what? it's just, like, girl just gets out of bathtub, and we're like, it didn't need to happen. Um... <laughs> I, I don't think comedy theaters need nudity. Uh, like, no matter how hard you try to motivate it. Like, I didn't even, for Who Wants to Cream Pie Baby New Year, I didn't even, like, take my shirt off. Who Wants to Cream Pie Baby New Year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a sketch. It's fine. It's a time travel sketch. The premise of which is that who, that uh, I come out on stage in a tracksuit with a sword and a laser and I say that I'm my grandson from the future and that you can't laugh at the thing I'm about to do because it's Josh Bluebaugh's magnum opus. Uh, and if you laugh at it, I'll get enough confidence to move to L.A. and I won't join the resistance and save the world. Um, and so you're not allowed to laugh at it. And then my magnum opus turns out is me in a diaper holding two pies. And I go, who wants to cream pie, baby, new year? And I get the audience to throw pies at me. Um, and so, like, even for that sketch, though, like, when I was playing Baby New Year, I, like, did it in, like, a white shirt that I wrote Baby New Year on. <laughs> like, I didn't want to be shirtless and just a diaper on stage. Like, That's I couldn't horrible. do it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, even just, like, being in a diaper on stage, I was just like, and what, and what was this for? Uh, New Year's sketch show. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I hope, oh, I, I, I could not laugh. Yeah, it, the, so, like, what I love about that sketch is that you're instructing the audience, like, you're not allowed to laugh. If you do, we're doomed. Uh, and the thing about the sketch is that because it's a time travel sketch, it has a reset. I throw it back on the tracksuit. I'm just like, do you not want a future? I'm going to rewind time. And do it again? Yeah. How many times do you end up doing it? Uh, three. Total. Oh um, and then by the end, the audience is doomed to a horrible life. Which is uh, the way all comedy should be. <laughs> huge stakes. Yeah. Bring it back to emotional stakes. Yeah, all you have to do is not laugh at the man in the diaper asking to do a cream pie. <laughs> oh Ooh, I've never been cream pied by a girl before. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I like it because it's, uh, I get to do the dumbest thing possible. 
uh, and pitch it as my magnum opus. That's <laughs> the, the thing I like about it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that sounds that sounds like fun. Yeah. What's the? Uh, is that the weirdest thing you've ever done? Uh, that is one of my weirder ones. Yeah. Um, RBA tonight. There was a sketch, a recurring sketch, the Sally and Burris sketches. The first one was called uh, Sally's Antique Weapons Emporium. Uh, and it's not the weirdest sketch I've done, but it is the one that I like look back on it and I'm like, oh boy, that's a risky, that's a risk I took, huh? <laughs> um, where it was like, the premise is that we are husband and wife co-owners of a, uh, like what antique weapons emporium. So we're just like listing weapons in categories in like funny ways. It was a list sketch, which is always good. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you didn't see that, I very almost audibly rolled my eyes at my idea to do a list sketch. <laughs> but, uh, so the way, the way we spiced it up is that Sally, uh, Played by Nicole Patterson in this voice. Uh, no, not this voice. It was a maybe, a, maybe a, in this voice here, maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> was, that a, was that an impediment on the R? Uh, well, is it? Uh, what is the voice? Maybe a common law husband uh, impregnates your sister, and you just push him down a flight of stairs. Uh, that's the that's the voice. Okay. Um, so, like, uh, what it was is that I sat on the stage in a wheelchair, uh, unmoving, holding a triangle like the old guy from Breaking Bad. Okay. You know where I would just like ring it to communicate, so she'd say stuff like. Uh, <laughs> With my lover, Burris, and I do mean sexual lover. <laughs> uh, and then I would, like, ding the triangle, and she'd go, ooh, Calienter. <laughs> uh, Calienter. Yeah, and I think that sketch was really fun, but I also think that, like, it was a risk to play, like, this completely paralyzed guy, which is why in the first sketch I made it so that she paralyzed him. Because uh, it was like, so, does your victim love or trust you? You could try a pillow or uh, the long suffocating passage of time. Uh, or maybe your common-law husband impregnates your sister and you push him down a flight of stairs. And then I start dinging the bell a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one was a risk. It's, um... Okay, so you 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 talked a lot about like sketches that you've done. Mm-hmm. Do you is that um I don't know what I'm asking. I'm just like oh sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Yeah, but I don't know who it's from. Blue Claws. Blue Claws. Oh, Brittany Anderson. Take it. Let's speak. Hello. Hi. Hey, I'm okay. I'm doing Jonathan Mistoy's podcast at the moment. Yeah, but that's fine. I don't have you on speaker. Or yeah, anything. we can cut it. I, I wrote it down. Uh, a bunch of stuff that's probably not good radio. Anyway, <laughs> um, no. Uh, what? What? Uh, what's the? I didn't get your message because we've been recording the podcast, so I haven't read it. What's the time? What time is it now? Four nine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. Where are we meeting? Okay. Hi, 
Yeah. Okay. See you at five thirty. Okay. Hello. I don't know if I'm talking to an improv team or my grandparents right now. What's happening? <laughs> uh, Jonathan's. Oh, sick! I feel like everyone's done it but me at this point. <laughs> what did you make him do? He made me dinner. You made him. Do I have to make you dinner? Yeah, that's part of the podcast. That's part of it. Oh yeah, sure. I'll look in your pantry, see what it, you have. Mac, mac and cheese, we're good. <laughs> Somewhere he's watching Rick and Morty in some sort of nerd cave at the moment. I am Josh. <laughs> Brock Hall's there? Okay. Okay. Cool. Are you guys drunk? All right. Love you. Bye. Did you just say wait now? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. All right, I have to go. I love you. Bye. Is it, are you coaching that team? Um, they called me on Facebook. What the fuck? Uh, Mis- is it the Misfits? I don't know. It's Brittany Anderson's team, whichever team that is. I think it's, I think it's the I just hit me up last minute. Is Brock Hall on that team? I don't know who Brock Hall is. Okay, good. Um, don't leave that in. No, no. <laughs> we'll start, like, in a couple seconds. Okay. Dicks. <laughs> Leaving that in. <laughs> so, like, so, like, so, it has to start from. Uh, we're going to start in a couple seconds, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, like, leave this face in. Yeah. Dicks. Okay, perfect. Otherwise, it doesn't work. That was a, that was a fun phone call to listen in on. Uh, we had to cut that out, though. Yeah. Um, so, like, sketch is something. I think we were talking about sketch. Yeah. Like, how did, I guess quickly, how do you get started in something like that? You write. Just write sketches. The end. Yeah, it's literally like you just write stuff down, and if you like it, put it on stage and see if other people like it, and then learn from the things they didn't like. You just do that again and again and again until you start writing things you like more consistently. So how does it work when you get a team together? Because that was the thing I kind of wanted to get into This earlier. is the first time I've ever done it. Um, so you guys are just winging it, just figuring it out? So, yeah. I Well, like, we were a lot... Grace and I worked on RVA tonight, so we had, like, that basis and like i directed the fourth of july sketch show last year um but like i had a hell of a time trying to get a team together and it like came together last minute but like you know i just uh the whole thing was like frustrating and so i was like how do i remove myself from the things that made it frustrating for me and the answer was have a dedicated team that does consistent sketch shows um I was already on a little side improv team that was doing some Friday Night Late shows called Trash Bang. Uh, it was Jonathan, 
Joe and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were like, let's start doing sketch. Let's bring in a couple people. And we tapped Grace and Sean. And then Dasha was like, me too. And we were like, yes. <laughs> and so we became a team. We started meeting every Monday, no exceptions, except for the Monday right after our last show. Because we did two shows in two weeks. And it was crazy. Um, so just Monday's the day. No matter yeah. what, we're meeting on Monday. Yeah, no matter what, we meet on Monday night. Um, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And then we just like got our dates. Like we, we didn't want to put a show together without dates on the calendar. So we got dates from Katie. Uh, and we were like, I know we don't have a show written, (laughs) but we, yeah, we were like, we really want to write this show. Give us dates. Um, and so like using those deadlines, we made some shows come together. I think we're still trying to hammer out the like week before the show rehearsal process, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> to be more streamlined, but I think we're definitely like hitting our groove, which is nice. Yeah. As far as I know, y'all are like top tier sketch team. That's adorable. Thank you. I, um, yeah, I really like my team a lot. Like I, I was... I don't want to toot my own horn because I like to think that trash bang was inevitable, but I did do a lot of like pushing people to make this happen. I was like, no, we need to be a sketch team. Uh, I want to be a sketch team. I, all I want is a sketch team. Uh, and I just like said it and said it and said it until we became a sketch team. Uh, at which point I was like, we don't have a head writer. I know I did a lot of trying to motivate people, but I, I, I'm not the head writer. Let's just write it all together. I like that. I like that. That kind of like, yeah, I would like, I feel like that's a, that's a really unthought of ability and skill, like being able to organize a team. And do it well. Oh, it was not a skill at all. I was just literally bugging people. But that, the, you know, bugging people. Well, that's your view on it. I'm saying it's a skill to like, if you're going to have any team, there has to be some kind of organization. Someone has to be yeah. doing something. That's grace. I don't have the skill. Well, whether, whether you're organizing the show or the people, but like. I can do running orders. I can do. Well, you say, you're talking about the show. I'm talking about the, the team. Getting a team together. Like when I was doing an indie, my my first indie team, it was really hard to get people to commit to the team. Interesting. Well, yeah, that's also, so an indie team isn't exciting, isn't an exciting project. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's like, yeah, we're going to do 15 minutes every couple weeks on a Thursday. Uh, Like it's not, like the pitch isn't there. Uh, But to go to people who like you, you know, already have an interest in this thing and be like, I want to do the thing we always dream about doing is a lot easier. Like it's just an easier set. Exactly. I feel like that's similar to like doing like a, like a podcast. Like yeah. if you want to do like, when I did this show, it was like, I want to do a show. And so I just like started doing my own show. Mm-hmm. But like, if you were to do like a group thing, that'd be, that, it, I think that's in a similar vein. The pitch is there. Like let's yeah. do a podcast. Well, I'm really in like the fortunate situation with Trash Bang where it's like we have a wealth of ideas and it's more about killing our babies than it is about like forcing ourselves to do things, right? So what? Uh, it's an old creativity expression where it's like you have to kill your babies, where it's like you have to pick and choose what you want to work on. Um, Didn't never heard that, still don't get it. Believing you though, you'll get it one day. Like if you write a sketch you really like, but there's a part of it that doesn't work. Uh, but that, you like that baby. part. That's the baby. 
Oh, yeah, uh, I, know, I know what you mean now. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. So like, was, we're kind of that in that situation where it's like maybe we should do a trash bang podcast. Maybe we should do like full online episodes of a sketch show. Maybe we should do this, that, the other. And it's just a question of like, what project do we want to focus on uh, that is like the most doable without burning ourselves out by doing everything at once is, like, really the question with this team, which is, like, such a refreshing feeling, Mm -hmm. uh, like, versus the other way things go, which is, uh, how do I get people to fucking care? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's... Oh, man. That's kind of what I'm talking about. It's, like, being able to get get something together is really difficult. Here's the thing with indie teams or improv teams in general. Everyone on the team has to be someone that the other people on the team are excited to play with. Yes. Uh, so, like, if you pitch it as a practice team, people aren't going to be into it. If you pitch it as, uh, like, a we're going to fuck around in some practices and, like, we'll do a lab set, uh, people aren't going to be into it. But if you pitch it as, like, I think we'd be really good together, and I think this specific hand-picked team will work well together, I think people are more into it because they feel special. Uh, and they are excited about the work you can do. Hmm. Uh, so if you're trying to put an indie team together, those are my suggestions. I um, like that you, you trapped that like that. Thanks. I think that's, I think that's how I thought. You know, you have to, like, make sure the chemistry's there. Mm-hmm. Especially after, like, being new is a lot harder because you don't know anybody, but, like... Yeah. And you also, you like, being new, you don't know enough about improv to be like, oh, this is a wild card, this is a carry, this person is great at being a straight man... Um, yeah. Definitely. But, like, you gotta do, you you have to do the shitty teams. Yeah. Right? You don't have to. And that's why people don't commit to indie teams. Early on, do you have to do the shitty teams? Let me rephrase. You don't have to. Yeah. That's the thing. They're an option, but they're not compulsory shitty teams. Your compulsory shitty team is your class team. Uh... (laughs) Right? Like, <laughs> Technically, indie yeah. team stuff is, like, your passion project, or it should be. Yeah, yeah, uh, So, like, it, when you start looking at it as, like, well, I have to, like, get reps, so I need an indie team, versus, like, I want to do improv with people I like doing improv with. That's okay. when the disconnect starts to show up. That makes sense. I, I guess after you do it long enough, that those kind of opportunities present themselves. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, honestly, I think the best way to put an indie team together is to, like... Do the mixer a lot. Encourage other people you like watching do improv. Do the mixer. Who hosts the mixer? Josh Blueball. Oh, okay. But well, like so, like it's the the formula doesn't work as well in smaller improv markets. But like doing jams generally, you can see who you like to watch, and mm-hmm. then it's like that's a person I want to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, form your indie team that way, where it's just like, ah, dude, Jonathan, like, that scene was great. I love this move. You, like, build that rapport where you're, like, complimenting each other a lot. And then, like, that'll build that feeling of, like, we should play together. Let's mm-hmm. start, like, our two-man mono scene uh, or, like, whatever it is. I definitely, after, you know, just definitely having played with people like this, like, like I would do anything. Like, anything Matthew wanted to do, I'd do it. Yeah. Because he's, like, so fun to, like, do stuff with. And I also think with indie teams, you should pitch them on a format. Ooh, interesting. Uh, To be like, this is what this team that I want to do would do. Do you want to do that, too? And make sure it's something interesting. It'll be like, it's a Herald team. People are like, oh, okay. Do we we even have a Herald team? Uh, No. 
because the Herald is a great teaching tool and not a great show tool. Interesting. If that makes sense. And Del Close himself even said that exactly what I just said. Uh, he would like take private coaching sessions and if they did a Herald in front of him, he'd say, stop, I don't want to see a Herald and like make them do something else. Interesting. Um, Cause like it was meant to be like this training wheels. Yeah. This is like the pieces of a good improv set. Thing. How to put together a show. Yeah. That, that's how I always read our, like our classes, like, Basics, first three classes are like all the tools, yeah. and then the fourth is like putting the tools together. Yeah. The kind of work I like is like mono scene work. Mm. I think that's really fun. I think the Hearst girls do a good job with it. Oh, yeah, um, I used to, I, I like small teamwork a lot. I like two, three person teams. There's this great format that I love that no one else is into called the four track, uh, which is a four person <laughs> team format. Uh, um, What's the format? I'm curious. Uh, so it's a matching based format. So it's uh, the first eight scenes are a matching scene followed by a two person scene inspired by that matching scene. What's a matching scene? Uh, a scene in which uh, I guess in three one they call it a one person scene. Okay. But I learned it as matching. Okay. So it's uh, everyone is the same character with the same point of view, all tackling the same issue. And then a two person scene uh, based on that one. Yes. Uh, and one thing that I think uh, we miss in the one-person scene teaching that, mat- that like the concept of matching overall has is that when you recognize a change in another person in the scene, you have to make that change yourself. Yes. Um, which I think that gets dropped after 301 a lot of the time. People will be like, uh, oh, that guy's being the odd one out. When it's really what it should be is like, oh, good move. Me too. Um, Agree. Yeah. So you do a matching scene, a two-person scene inspired by that matching scene. You do four iterations of that, and then you do a run of callbacks based on... Four iterations? Yes. So four of that, like detour style, or... No. Just four two-person scenes based off of... Uh, yeah, so it's matching scene, two-person scene, matching scene, two-person scene, matching scene, two-person scene, matching scene, two-person scene, callback run is the format. Interesting. Yeah. That'd be fun to do. It is very fun to do. Uh, the things, the prerequisites are, uh, it's, it's really only good with a high energy, super physical team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like if you have like one dude who's a stand in talker, like it's going to ruin the show. Um, and it's just like, uh, it's the kind of format that works better in a longer time slot. Sure. Uh, like it, a good four track is like at least half an hour. Okay. Um, but it's like one of the few formats that I like really nerd out about. Huh. I think just recently getting introduced to new formats, like I just didn't realize there was so many different ways you could do improv. Yeah. I mean, like we do an intro it was inspired by uh, Alex and Scott. What they like, like their movie buffs, like this whole movie. Um, and like we did it, and I've never heard I've never heard someone like Ryan was like I've never seen that. And I'm like you've never seen that on improv. Yeah. Have you seen that what we do before? Uh, no. You know what we do? I think I warm up during your sets to do big bosses. Probably. So I no, I haven't. We do the uh, take two suggestions, location, object. There's been a murder. Someone was killed with at. Then we take one of those things and do right. word association. You guys are detective, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Then we come up with a theory based on all the shit we just got. That's fun. Then we say, no, that's not it. And then we do it again. And we start our... That is really fun. Yeah. Have you seen... Is that, is that like, unique? 
That is unique, yeah. I used to have Ambassador Deal Award Association opener when I was their coach. That Ooh. was, um, like, they would do, like, three passes of this big word association thing based on the first suggestion. So they'd be like, if the suggestion was like, oh, give me a suggestion. Uh, pants. Uh, the first, if the suggestion is pants, they would be like, pants, pockets. And then they would, like, blow that out to whatever logical conclusion that word association was. And then they would move as a group to another third of the stage. And they'd start over at pants, do it again. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Pants, dog, hot, uh, you know, whatever it is. And then they would um, go to the last third of the stage. Uh, and do it one more time, and then those would directly tie into the beats of the Herald they were doing. Um, which, you know, word association is fun for openers. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it because it uh, really gets you thinking. Yeah. I don't know, but I think it loosens me up for the show. Mm-hmm. What, what do I know? A lot. I So, the, we touched on something briefly, which is that I can't watch improv before I do it. You and David are like that. Yeah, I used to. I used to feel like that. I have a lot of stupid suspicion, uh, like superstitious things, and that okay. used to be one of them. But I think it like, gets me anxious. For me, it's not superstition. It's just that uh, once again, going back to me being a bit of a prick, like I get in an improv mindset and I like start like thinking about what moves I would be making, mm-hmm. um, and so I just like the whole time I'm just like. You left it on the table. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. I just can't do it. Um, yeah. I um. Yeah. I would always worry that. I, I guess I never. I never thought about like that. I was worried I would like be too inspired by what they're doing or something like that. Okay. I don't know. I just felt like that was something I shouldn't do. One thing that we don't get at the coalition because we don't really watch each other's sets. Uh, just because of like our warm up schedule and stuff, mm-hmm. um, is that you don't get cross set callbacks, which is something that you do get in like uh, like a smaller bill show where it's like two teams. Uh, like we both warm up before the show. You guys go out first. We go out second. We're gonna watch each other. You're gonna get cross show callbacks and stuff like that. Um, and we just don't really get a lot of that. Would that be good to do or bad to do? Um, I mean, it's for riot. Let's say. Uh, uh, you know, it's, I don't have a feeling either way. It's just recognizing something we missed doesn't mean that the way we're doing it is wrong. That's like as improv as you can get. (laughs) There's no wrong choices. No, I don't think it's as improv as you get. I just think it's as realist as you can get to Mm -hmm. be like, you can call out the things that are wrong with the way we're doing something. Mm -hmm. So that we are aware of it, uh, but it doesn't mean we need to change. It just means we're aware of the things that might be wrong. And I think if cross set callbacks are the thing that's missing, I, we're not missing anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Huh? You give me something to think about. Well, there, yeah, I think I asked. Is there anything we you kind of wanted to talk about? We said no. I uh, yeah, I, I went in here with blank slate. Having having gone through it, is there anything that you w- would want to bring up <sighs> to go out on? I feel like I covered most of like your like trash bangs. Like a, I always like to cover whatever people are working on, so that people yeah. like you know kind of plug it a little bit. Okay, like trash bang is like the big one. 
Trash Bag's a big one. Follow us on YouTube, because uh, we're not Ooh. having a show until Nightmare on Broad Street, where the Friday 8 p.m. show. Uh, so we're taking like a four-month break where we're just doing videos right now. Um, so hit up Trash Bang's YouTube page. I'll plug it. It's in the uh, description. Yeah. Um, and then come to our Halloween show. Um, I think the Halloween show is going to actually be part of us permeating like the non-theater bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's going to be, you know, the Halloween crowd. Yeah. yeah. Since we're plugging Halloween, come see the Halloween live podcast. Yeah. Hey, guys, write this down in your calendars for October. October. Trash Bang, Friday at 8, Nightmare on Broad Street, right before Halloween. Also, the Halloween episode of Jonathan Mustoe's podcast. It's going to be good. At the theater. At the theater. Live. Is Are you already yeah. on the calendar for that? I don't know the time. I just know that I'm doing it. Okay, cool. It'll be character-based. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, you know... Uh, look out for my other projects. Follow me on Twitter where I will post a sad joke every three days. Uh, is, that, is that real? And not purposefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think It's I just could. a very good summation of my Twitter account. <laughs> um, you know, follow me on Instagram if you like occasional pictures of a pug. Um, I'm not more than occasional. I'm not what people call good at social media. Sure. Um, I don't. I don't. I'm not very big into self promotion unless it's my Facebook page, um, and it's the only reason I have Facebook is to pro- like promote my shows. Um, so like when it's other forms of media, I just use them the way they're like meant to be used. Um, but for me, the way like Instagram is meant to be used is like, look at my friend's pictures and occasionally go look at my dog. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like I, the day I have to like switch over to having like a professional social media account, it will be a, it'll be a good problem to have. Don't do that. Yeah. I did that and I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. I don't have a professional Instagram account. And it's pointless. Uh, one thing I would love to do is to make my little sister my Instagram manager. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think she's really good at capturing very silly videos of me. Because, <laughs> uh, like, we just hang out and have fun. And she's, like, the only member of my family that I can, like, be myself around. Do bits and stuff. Yeah. Or it's just, like, she's, like, I'm gay. And she's, like, and I'm weird. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> Go do stuff. Please give her your login so she can post. Yeah. I I've, I've talked about it a lot, and she'll like send stuff to me on Google Drive. Uh, there was this like video she took a few years ago. Where we were just like behind a U.S. mail truck. Uh, I didn't even know she was recording, and I was just like, "U.S. mail? Why can't it be U.S. female? That's stupid." <laughs> but like the video itself is very funny to me when I watch it because she was just like zooming in on U.S. mail. <laughs> Yes. Is she, is she going to listen to this, you think? What? Is she going to listen to this? Oh, hell no. Oh. Uh, there's no way she would listen to this. But okay. she doesn't have time to listen to her brother talk while her brother's talking to her. Uh, <laughs> well, if she does or if anyone closer does do that, please get your Instagram yeah. login so we can like see more. I would, I would love that. See more um, blue ball. See more Bluebaugh, gotta see more. Have we ever talked about Josh Bluebaugh's Get Fucking Hype podcast? Or not podcast, but playlist? No. I have a playlist on Spotify called Link the Josh. in the description. I'll get the, I'll get the link. <laughs> cool. I have a playlist on the Josh on my Spotify called the Josh Bluebaugh Get Fucking Hype playlist, and it's just 50 copies of Wanna Be My Lover by, or Be My Lover by LaBouche and one copy of What Is Love by Hathaway. And what you do is you put it on at parties when no one knows you're doing it. 
Uh, and then uh, about 20 minutes later, someone will be like, how long is Be My Lover? And by the 30-minute mark, they'll be like, what the fuck is this podcast? It's just like this really nice nested bit I like to do. Because Be My Lover is a certified bop, and people will dance to it forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something I did last night, and it was fun. Yeah. I will make sure I get that link in the uh, Trash by YouTube. Put it in the description. Yeah. Trash Band YouTube. Unimportant. Follow my uh, playlist on Spotify. That I made yesterday. I did not make it yesterday. I made it a year ago. And I just like the bit enough that I keep doing it. Do it forever. I'm into it. I'll promote it. Well, thanks for doing the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Say goodbye. Um, Hey, thank you for listening to all of this. Um, I've been told my vocal quality is that of a puppet Ray Romano. Uh, so the fact that you were willing to listen to all of this was really important and special to me. Uh, and to Gretchen, I just want to say hello. Okay, bye. <laughs> I got thoughts, can't control. Got me down, got me low. Rest my mind, rest my soul. When I blow. When I blow, am I wrong? Let me know. Feel so right to let things go. Don't think twice. This is me. This is how I should be. Cop another bag of smoke day. 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 Cop another bag of smoke day.